0: Cam and Renee's real estate show. Sounds like Canberra. Sounds like Mix 106.3. JW Land. Introducing homes of uncompromising quality across premium locations. Hi
1: there, it's Cam and Renee here.
0: Each week on Mix 106.3, we present the Mix 106.3 real estate show.
1: We speak with industry experts, leaders in Canberra property, national analysts and a range of other property specialists.
0: So let's take a listen to some of the things we looked at in last Saturday's show. Now, Cam, um, we're going to ask the question this morning, where can you still buy in Canberra for $700,000? Can you? Well, I don't know. That's the thing. People will probably hear that and think, oh, surely not. Mm. Uh, But last week, of course, we spoke to Michael Yardney from uh, Metropole Property Strategist who was talking about all those doom and gloom reports around uh, property values uh, falling by at least 20% next year. Mm. And uh, Bushy Martin from Realty Talk and Know How Property Finance uh, spoke with a property valuer. And they looked at some of the major centres around the country and and what you could buy for 700 grand. So we're going to find out what the go is locally with that and say good morning to Bushy now. Good morning.
1: Hey, Renee, how are you, Cam? Really good, mate. Thank you for being able to join us once again, and welcome back to Mix 106.3. Mate, when it comes to the state of the market, it's almost war between the doom and gloom media and reputable property valuers. We know what the doomsayers are saying. What are the property valuers saying that has the meaningful messages?
2: Yeah, some really clear distinctions here, Cam and Renee. Yeah, the first thing is that uh, there's no such thing as a property market because uh, every property is different from every other one of the 10.8 million properties spread across about 15,000, odd suburbs and locations around the country. Mm-hmm. So don't read too much into statewide medium values because the devil's in the details, the first thing. Second thing, uh, property conditions are now just returning to normal because we've just come through the second-highest property boom in the 230-year history of the country, and it's been very artificially manufactured by COVID. Uh, which has sort of floated all property ships as far as values is concerned. But we're now just coming back to the normal situation where uh, properties go through uh, an S-curve growth cycle where it's not unusual and it's actually expected to see properties come back a a little bit after such an exuberant uh, period of growth. So we're really just going from the the radical back to the regular and from the nuts back to the normal, guys.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. (laughs) And uh, can you tell us about some of the smaller regions Heron Todd White looked at in their report?
2: Yeah, well, they look Australia wide, Renee, and it's really interesting some of the things it's picked up because you really start to see the tremendous variation in what you can buy for seven hundred grand around a property, and that, that ranges from a small studio apartment in Bondi to a beautiful four-bedroom home in Bendigo, or fifty acres plus in Bilaluela, way out in the outback of Queensland, and a couple of really interesting examples that they uncovered in their uh, recent report. Uh, you know, I, you can get a three-bed, one-bath home on 14 hectares in Baghdad, and I'm not talking about war-torn Iraq. I'm talking the suburb about 40 kilometres northeast of Hobart in Tasmania. Yeah, uh, you can also get about two family homes in Mount Gambier or near the beautiful Blue Lake in country, South Australia, or a Queenslander style home, including a pool and sheds in in Bundaberg. So Mm. you can see that there's still a fair bit of variation
1: there. I I remember just uh, getting away from everything for a second. When I was working at the radio station in Broken Hill, this 1992, there was a person giving a house and property, giving it away.
0: I remember you telling me Giving it
1: away. (laughs) Crazy. Mate, um, so, let's get to it. What can you buy for $700,000? Varies around the country, as you've just mentioned. Where can you buy in Canberra for seven hundred k, and more importantly, get something reasonable.
2: Yes, well, it's changed a lot in the last twelve months, as as you would expect, mm. because the the median house price in in Canberra has jumped from about nine hundred twenty seven thousand up to about one point one two four million over the last twelve months, which is a sort of twenty one percent increase. Yeah. And interestingly, last year Heron Todd White indicated that Tugnarong was the place to be looking with value growth of uh, between. Twelve to twenty-seven percent over the last twelve months, meaning that a, a three-bedroom home, home in Monash was worth about six hundred and sixty grand. That's now jumped up to about eight hundred and forty grand. Uh, but you can still get a three-bed unit in the mid-sixes six, in, in Greenway. And now they're suggesting that you can still buy a house for seven hundred grand in some pockets. But you need to question whether these areas are going to be good future performers. So the, the pockets I identified in the north and western sides of Canberra, include a few houses in the areas of Nannawul, Casey, Taylor. And McGregor, yep. and they're suggesting that for capital growth, uh, that at seven hundred grand, the best buy would be townhouses in the Western Creek region. While if you're looking at rental yield, because it's quite a different strategy, they're suggesting apartments in the inner north and in southern suburbs.
1: Okay.
0: Okay. Well, plenty of food for thought there. It all
1: makes sense, though, what you're saying.
0: Yeah, it does. It does. Well, Bushy, thank you uh, so much for those insights this morning, and we'll chat to you again very soon.
1: Pleasure, guys. Have a great week.
0: You too. Thank you. Uh, Bushy Barton from Realty Talk and Know How Property Finance. Well, Cam, I've got a situation uh, that a friend, a story a friend has shared with me recently that I thought we could bring to the show and, and figure it out, how it works, because I'm sure, I'm sure there's got to be other people in Canberra who've been in their position. Okay. Um, so what has happened is they have a rental property. Mm-hmm. It was advertised as having gas and electricity uh, for heating purposes. I see. Now, the gas, uh, they told me the gas broke last year and it got fixed, but it is broken again and they don't want to get it fixed because um, the electricity is really effective. It's a really small house and because gas is getting phased out in Canberra. Correct. But it just it's a, it's a bit tricky for them because the property was was marketed this way, advertised this way, um, but they sort of have reasons for wanting to do it their way. So it's just a bit of a tricky situation. <laughs> okay,
1: I would imagine all the paperwork also says gas and electricity, that's what you get yes. if you come under this tenancy. Yes. And so we're wondering, can that be changed midway? Well, let's find out and say good morning and welcome her back to Mix 106.3 in our real estate show, Hannah Gill, who is Director of Property Management. Management. Management at the Property Collective and, of course, President at Real Estate Institute of the ACT. Good morning, Hannah. Good
3: morning, guys. Thanks for having me back on the show.
0: No worries. And look, for a renter in a situation like this, what are their rights?
3: Well, the good news in property management in the ACT is that generally if both a tenant and a landlord agree, pretty much anything can be changed as long as both parties agree to that. So, um, the renters, right, in the scenario you've explained about your friend, is that it would be a matter of just truly understanding are they going to be any worse off with the type of heating if they don't have both electric and gas?
1: Okay. okay. And so, as the landlord, great if you can manage it together as a group and come up with a, a solution that suits all parties. How can it be best managed if there is a problem in those negotiations?
3: Look, I always think if you can't negotiate, and that's why the relationship is so important initially, by building good relationships between landlord, um, tenant and property manager, generally these kind of things are very easy to work through. But let's say for whatever reason you can't, I think what would the tribunal say if it was escalated to a third party to decide? And the tribunal would look at it and say, well, is the tenant any worse off? Yes, both items are included at the start of the tenancy. Is um, not having the gas heating going to be more um, expensive for the tenant, for example, or is it not going to be as effective, for example? And if there's no material loss and the landlord's shown there's a reason why they're not fixing it, then the ACAT would probably look at that and say, well, maybe there's not a problem with that.
1: Okay.
0: Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, that is very interesting. <laughs> now, do you um, have your own example of something like this, Hannah, and, and how the problem was solved?
1: I mean, you've been a property manager, you've been around the block a few times, Hannah, you've been down there at the coalface, you've got one for us, haven't you?
3: Oh well, look, these things come up all the time. Mm. It, could be, it could be a very similar scenario with gas and electric cooking. For example, sure. um, where we've had instances where an owner wants to switch over when the gas cooking's broken and they want to revert to electric, for example, and that's a really interesting one as well because sometimes tenants actually want a property specifically with gas cooking because that's their preference. So yep. that might be much more harder to negotiate. But if the outcome is no, if the tenant is no worse off with a change of the outcome, generally, like rationally thinking, you can find a solution. Yeah, and, and you what? Worst
1: you, case. Sorry, go ahead.
3: I was going to say, worst case scenario, there might be a slight adjustment in rent as a consequence. But if a tenant's not worse off the way they live and it doesn't cost them more, then I don't see that as a problem. Okay.
0: Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, very interesting um, advice there, Hannah. Thank you uh, so much for your insight there. Like I said, no doubt many people in Canberra, um, whether you're a a tenant or a landlord, have found themselves in this type of situation. So I think um, that's some really good advice. Thank you so much for your time this morning. You're welcome. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Hannah Gill, uh, Director of Property Management at the Property Collective and President of the Real Estate Institute of the ACT.
1: It was a couple of weeks ago, Renee, that we uh, and this was off the back of your move... Yes. uh, ..that we have been speaking about removalists and all the things that you have to do and go through and things that can go wrong and all of that.
0: And there's so much involved um, in that space. So, yeah, we did speak to uh, Fran from Leader Removals um, about that. Mm. And so we want to delve even further, Cam, because... um, I was sharing the story with you about my parents. Mm. They've moved plenty of times Mm -hmm. and they've always had a piano. And um, it was a really, I don't know the name of it, but it was a huge old school one that weighed an absolute ton mm-hmm. and um, they did manage to take it around with them a bit, but they got to a stage where they're like, look, <laughs> I think they might have sold it to the people who bought the house because yes. they were just done with taking that thing
1: around. I would imagine out of all the stuff that you have to move, in fact, I don't imagine because I've moved a million times, yeah. you know, working on the radio business all over Australia. Um, so both piano and full-size snooker table. Oh, God. They would, they would be the two hardest things. And when we say piano, like grand piano, okay? Oh, yeah. So and
0: n- there's got to be an art to it for sure. Not
1: only are they big and bulky, but they're also worth a squillion dollars.
0: Indeed. And you can't just pull them apart like a lot of other things I wouldn't have
1: thought. Should we bring in the experts? Yes. Let's do that. Reese Archer uh, runs his business, Piano Relocations Canberra. We've sorted him out. Reese joins us right now. Good morning, Reese. How are you? I'm good, how are you? Not too bad. Okay, mate, tell us about Piano Relocations Canberra. How did the business come about to specifically moving pianos?
4: Well, I didn't start the business. A man named Dave Knight did, and he was working in a music store a couple of years back, and they had a backlog of pianos. So he decided to start moving uh, pianos to the music store, and from Little Things Big Things three was moving the, all the pianos to Canberra and... um I was the successful for that, and then, uh, yeah, here I am.
1: Yeah, wow. And, uh, it's, it's very specific. It's very narrow. So I would imagine that there's there's quite a market for it, right? I mean, you don't want to damage these things. Mm.
4: Yeah, yeah. it's um, We've been doing uh, full weeks, uh, uh full 12-hour days each week, uh, each day for a couple of weeks now. It's, uh, it's been full on. Yeah. It's moving piano.
0: Yeah, and and what are some of the things you need to consider when moving a piano race?
4: Uh, well there's there's so many things cuz they're 200 they start at 200 kilos and most of them the especially the glossy black finished pianos uh, their surface is, is really easy to damage. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's like the probably the biggest thing is just visualizing how you're going to take the piano into the house and what could possibly go wrong, you oh. know. It's so much you can yeah. bash it against the walls and doors, and oh. uh, yeah, it can tip over on the trolley. There's so many things, so it's um, it, it is. There's so many things to consider. It's trying to see the future almost. And,
1: and, and so then, okay, so you got a grand piano, right? That's not yes. small. It's heavy. It's awkward. <laughs> how how do you get that up two flights of stairs?
4: Um, we've actually we've got a video on our Facebook page with um. We've got a couple of methods, but our most common method is we've actually got a sled that we attach to the bottom of the piano. So the way we pack up a grand piano is we flip it on its side onto its longest flat edge, and then we take off its legs. And on the longest flat edge sits a wooden sled with rubbers. And from there, we have to we have to push it up the stairs. Yeah. Um, it requires uh, two or three people. And um, I bet. And most grand pianos they weigh about three hundred onwards, so. It's, um, oh
0: my goodness! Yeah. Sounds like sounds. Oh my god! And Rhys, do you have a specific disaster story where you know someone who's tried to do it themselves mm. and it's gone wrong? Because mm. that surely would have had to have happened a lot.
4: Yeah, I um I moved to a piano out of a townhouse a couple months back for uh for someone, and uh, the piano had a lot of aesthetic damage. It had big, deep scratches in it uh, on the glossy black finish. And it wasn't a big one, it was only a small one. Um, uh, and uh, she told me a story about how a removalist said he'd moved pianos before and uh, <gasps> they used and stuff and he tried to take it in and the the pathway to the house, it's sloping and it's a bit awkward and as he was moving it tipped over and fell on him.
0: No! No!
4: He got really hurt, and um, and uh, try to and um, the piano obviously got really hurt as well. And he um, he try to get her to pay his workers' comp or something. And I don't know that doesn't sound right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh
3: dear,
0: that's a whole. All
1: right, so I I, I I suppose the message is there. Bring in the professionals like yourself yes. when you've got one to move. Yeah. Hmm. yeah.
0: Oh goodness gracious! Well, well Reese, uh, thanks for sharing those stories with us, and um, it's it's good to know that there are people like you out there who can come in and and do the job right. That's 100%. for sure. Thanks so much for your time. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you. uh, Rhys Archer from Piano Relocations. Canberra there, don't do it yourself. Uh,
1: As Rhys mentioned there, he's got the Facebook page and I poked around the Facebook page and I've seen that video. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like five blokes trying to push this thing up the stairs on the sled. Too much pressure for me. Well, those are the interviews we most enjoyed in last week's Mix 106.3 Real Estate Show. If you love hearing about the latest trends or you're just up for a sticky beak, be sure to drop by for a listen this Saturday between 9 and 10.
4: Ham and Renee's real estate show. Sounds
1: like Canberra. Sounds like Mix on a 6.3.